Disclaimer. The content documented in this podcast may at times be detailed and graphic while describing criminal conduct, sexual assault, and racism. The information within this podcast may be upsetting to some. All suspects described in this content should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law. If you believe that this content may impact you or your quality of life negatively in any manner whatsoever, you are not permitted to access the content on this site or through any related podcast or social media site. Do not approach any suspects or party detailed within this podcast. Law enforcement should verify all the information provided in our content of this podcast or any social media site independently before acting. My name is K.A. Hardiman, and I am an author and indie publisher. And I am Veronica Mars. I am a published author and a digital media strategist. And this is the Sticks and Stones podcast. Thanks for joining us again. This is episode two. Also, for context, um, we've known each other for almost 11 years now. Yes. I think this fall is 11 years. And you know, it's funny because, like, initially we were just coworkers, but we've, like, maintained this, like, really amazing, like, working relationship, like, throughout everything and a friendship. <laughs> yeah. Is that we weird We always to have, say? like, really good professional feedback for each other and ideas for projects and just, like, feeding into each other's energy. And I think that's why we've stuck together for so long through so much, like, personal growth and changing. Definitely. I have, like, I think that, like, all the people that I would count as my best friends, like, there's only, like, three or four of you guys. Um, You guys have all been my colleagues in some form or another for, like, years on end, which I really appreciate. Isn't that so interesting? I feel like everyone who I'm really close to, except maybe, like, one or two people... And definitely all of my closest friends worked with me at one time or another. Yeah, like something. we've always had like a really amazing like professional working relationship no matter like what job we had. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that me a lot. Me too. Uh, so yeah, so this is episode two. Yes. Last week we kind of just laid the foundation of what led up to you meeting Mikhail for the first time. Um, in person and kind of where the origination of her stalking and harassment came from at least connection wise because if those events had never happened you may have never met each other correct um we left off with our final point kind of talking about going to court meeting in person and finalizing the protective order yes which there is a recording of this court date um, from April 9th, let's see what year, 2013? Uh, yeah, April 9th, 2013. That was the second time I'd ever seen her in person. Um, and that was the day that the protective order, order that Nathaniel and I had was finalized against her. And so when you go through and kind of listen to the audio on YouTube, Obviously, the beginning is, you know, you making your case, talking about a lot of the things that we talked about in the last episode. Right. um, And kind of just leading into. Like the why judge handled it. Yeah. Yeah. So like um, for anybody who's ever we we represented ourselves in court. So um, it was one of the court days. Like if you have a lawyer for a case, they separate those court days and civil proceedings. So that way. um all the people who are representing themselves show up for court for a particular court day and a judge will hear all those cases at the same time. So that particular day, that's the type of setting it was in the courtroom. And Nathaniel and I um, represented ourselves, but he didn't really have to say anything because we were just going like bullet point by bullet point. And then the judge gave her the opportunity to like rebut anything that we said, but she didn't really do that. Yeah, I thought it was interesting in the very beginning of the video, he brings up the point, like before you've even given your evidence, that the burden of proof is on you and that it is difficult to prove these sorts of things and that they don't often hand these out. 
So he definitely was setting up the situation to sound like you probably wouldn't. Right. So have like enough evidence. Yes. It'd and be difficult for you to prove. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and then like these types of cases in general in a criminal setting are very hard to prosecute um, because there is a litany of evidence that you need and you have to have it concrete and backed up and documented. And it's it's an entire process. So um, in a civil proceeding, you know, um, the the burden of proof when it comes to evidence is always on the plaintiff, but also in a civil setting, like in the setting that we were on that day, um, the bar for the evidence criteria that you need to meet is also so low. But in these cases, it's kind of set higher um, mm-hmm. because for one, it was like internet harassment, which in a, in a sense, it is incredibly hard to prove. But I think the determining factors were the actions that she took outside of seeing us on the internet. So, for example, like the threats that she made, the fact that she was calling Nate's phone, like trying to hunt him down, trying to hunt me down, and the threats that she made over voicemail, um, which I was ready to play, but, you know, he didn't ask us. And he kind of stopped me while I was like listing off the bullet points, which was fine. Um, I think that he had heard what he needed to hear. (laughs) So, yeah. And one other um, thing that we didn't talk about in last week's episode, um, and I know you don't want to mention any specific names, but there was also evidence from a conversation from someone, someone you knew talking to Mikhail and Mikhail also threatening that person. Uh, yes. And um, Mikhail yeah. admitting to that person that she had lied and like talking more about um, what had happened to that person and then turning around and threatening them as well. Right. Um, she had, I don't know how she had gotten this person's address, but, um, you know, she, and luckily like the, this person in particular, we're still friends to this day and we laugh about the situation sometimes, but at that particular time, it was scary because, um, Mikhail had somehow gotten her address and was texting her like, oh, is this your address? You know what I mean? And of course it was correct. So she was understandably freaked out. But for whatever conversation they had, um, I was not a party to and I didn't hear. I don't I don't know what was talked about. And uh, if I remember correctly, Mikhail had been claiming to have a different um, employment than she did. To oh yeah, she, to try and threaten yes, legal she was she was trying to um use the system. Well, not necessarily the system in this case. She had claimed that she was a paralegal and that she could quote do anything that she wanted end quote, and that she had also said quote she worked for the district attorney's office end quote. So um those both of those things turned out to be completely untrue. Um, but those two um threats in particular were successful at scaring my friend um you know so she was reasonably so reasonably afraid for her well-being and as we'll see the pattern this is just the beginning of her claiming to have a different career than she actually has or be a different person that she actually has which correct has fed into the evidence of her comfort of doing that um, Correct. So at this point, you presented that information to the judge. Now the judge gave um, your stalker the opportunity to speak on her side of the story. Now, some of the first things that I noticed is she could not keep her subject straight. She kept beginning to make a point and not finishing it. Um, she kept making these kind of like really offhanded statements, like she was trying to keep track of what you had said or that she didn't fully have a statement prepared so first of yeah. all she claimed that there was no child that she had never said that there was a child which later her story changes on that topic right um, she tried to accuse you of harassing her since 2010 when you didn't even know each other right um she claimed that you had a bakery account that tried to follow her which we know facebook business accounts can't follow people you can only like them and right. uh also it wasn't yours um right. so she uh, assumed something differently of whatever had actually happened with that um she claimed that and she didn't say who it was she just kept saying she 
So right. I assume from context, it's about you, but she claimed that, that you or some person had called about being with Nate, begging if she should stay, claiming that he's so poor and that she didn't want to be with him because he's so poor and how she had tried to give, you know, advice, claiming that, that right. that's what conversation she had had with you. And at that point, she had not had any phone conversations with you, correct? Um, correct. She she had claimed that I was on the fence somehow about being with him. And there was nothing of the sort said like that. She had continuously been contacting me with the intention. Well, I'm presuming I can't, I'm not inside of her mind and I'm not a mental health expert, but I presume her intentions were to try and convince me to leave Nate. So, um, and And how was was she contacting you again? What platforms? It was through Facebook. Um, and later on it became other platforms, but her main method of contacting us was Facebook. And she would also, um, call Nate and text him. So, you know, she didn't have my phone number, but she had his. And on that note, she in court claimed that those Facebook accounts kept getting hacked. And it's trying interesting. to claim that there was someone else hacking her accounts, maybe even suggesting it was you hacking her accounts. Um, that would be the person who's harassing you. So she admits to doing it to your friend, then in court claims that it's because of a hacker. Right. So, you know, what's interesting about cases like this or stories like this in general, it's always when it's funny and it's interesting because it's every time like you hear a story that's similar to this where somebody is harassing someone else and then they get called out or they get, you know, a protective order slapped on them or, you know, something of the sort, some sort of consequences. Um, That person then always turns around and claims to be hacked. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but it's something that I noticed. Yeah. Celebrities Uh, do it too. uh, Oh my gosh, that racist thing that was said like four years ago, I was hacked. Like that, like, kind of like drives me crazy, like how that happens, because it's like, um, no, this is just the consequence. It's kind of like that TikTok audio. Look, here comes the consequence, consequence, consequence. (laughs) that one. Exactly, exactly. It's literally the consequences of your own actions coming for you. So um, I did find it interesting, like the things that she said, like didn't make sense. And to this day, none of her allegations have ever been able to like, if I sat down and I had a conversation with somebody about things that happened, I could give you dates and times, you know what I mean? I can list specific, uh, you know, instances, you know, where I've screenshotted things and it has like it's date and time stamped and things like that. She's never with been able to links. do that. What'd you say? With all the links as well. Cause that's, Oh yeah. Thing is, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, every, we'll get into every, more of her kind of evidence she brought forward later. Right. Every profile, you know, every time she sent a message, you know, like it's, it's, it's all been documented. And I just thought it was interesting. Like that particular day, she kept making all of these allegations that didn't make any sense. For example, um, the, in the, in the YouTube recording, there is um, a point in time where she says that she had a Facebook fan page to help her with mental health. And she said that I was on there. Um, couple things. Um, the page was named shoes, booze, and fucking tattoos. And it was a page where she regularly harassed people openly in the public. She regularly doxed people on that website. And there are multiple other victims in this case. And the a lot of them, including myself, ended up on that Facebook fan page. So I don't think that that, that is um, indicative that she was using it for mental health in a productive way. Um, I don't think that doxing people online is something that people do for the sake of their mental health. You know, um, so that and then um, the fact that she said I was on there, it was a public page you're you there's no way for you to have a private facebook fan page so you know there is no reasonable expectation of privacy if you're posting on a public forum and you're using people's full legal names and addresses and things like that and i don't know if that's something that's changed in facebook if you can make like a private account at this point 
But if it were set to a private account, you would not have been able to find that information through a Google search. Your attorney would not have been able to find that information through a Google search. You wouldn't Correct. know that evidence because it wouldn't exist on it public It wouldn't forums. be there. Exactly. Um, everything so far back then and even still today, all the digital evidence that's been collected were things that were posted publicly on public forms. So there's, so way- there was no need to hack anybody because it was all public. Yes, it was all public, and at that point in time, that particular Facebook page had around 6,000 Facebook fans or likes or whatever you want to call it, Um, and she just regularly, like, blasted people on there. Um, I remember there was one instance where, you know, she um, called me a gorilla, and there was another instance where she was inciting violence against me, and people were talking about cracking my skull open. So it yeah, was like, let's, you um, know, let's get into when that very first time happened because, uh, oh, yeah. Much, so the closing statement of the judge from the recording is to permit the um, protective order um, and to ask Mikhail to leave the room for a short amount of time or like leave the courthouse for a short amount of time so that y'all would linger and have a safe gap between you before right. um, you left the courtroom, correct? Correct. And so, um, yeah. that same day or the day after, uh, it was the same day into the day after. Okay. Talk no, about what happened same that same day um, after the court. So, um, permitted so you your protective order. So we got our protective order. Um, Judge Quinn gave us a protective order and I was very happy about it. He told her and her, whoever was with her um, to, she had brought someone with her and they were to leave the courthouse. And we sat there maybe 20 or 30 minutes, um, you know, waiting for them to leave. And then we were able to leave. Um, And so uh, Nathaniel and I left the courthouse and we had a really great day. Um, We went and had lunch at Longhorn. We went out and did some shopping. He had to work later on that day because he was working nights at that time. Um, But it was a really great day. Um, So I get home and he's preparing to like leave for work. And um, I hadn't been on social media that day because we had been out. I get on Facebook that evening and I had all kinds of messages and people were friend requesting me like people that I did not know. Um, and so I'm going to look and, you know, they were, I don't want to say they were sent because I didn't see anything on that shoes, booze and fucking tattoos page that, you know, linked my profile, but she had listed my full name on that profile and had claimed that she was the one with the protective order and that the judge told me to leave her alone when it was in fact the opposite and so these people were sending you messages basically incited by her statement and what kind of messages were they sending you what were they saying to you um you know like why are you doing this why are you messing with her you know we've got her back there were comments under the post that she made where people were like literally threatening to come crack my skull open as literally word for word what one of them said we're here to crack skulls is what exactly they said and this was in a public space posted and on the, her public forum that you could easily find with a Google search of your name. Yes. And then what did you do in response to that? So we called Jacksonville Police Department just to report the incident. And there was an officer that came to our home. His name was Officer um, Gee. I think I hope I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> but he said that, you know, he did not feel that it was worthy of making a police report, but that we had a viable claim for contempt since we literally just got that protective order that morning. And she already turned around and did exactly what the judge told her not to do. So what were the recommended next steps that the officer gave you from there? Um, He told me that I could go back to the courthouse and file a motion to show cause for violating the protective order, which is basically a contempt charge type of thing. Um, So the next day we did exactly, you know, as he had instructed, we went and we showed them, you know, what happened. And we just said, Hey, we were just in court. The judge told her yesterday to stop doing X, Y, and Z. And she left the courtroom and did exactly what the judge told her not to do. So they filed the motion to show cause. And um, we were, we had to deliver it to the County in which she lived Um, because if we would have gotten Carteret County to try and serve it, it would have been, um, a cost on 
us, like we would have had to pay Carteret County because they would have had to send someone to Jones County. And since it was in a neighboring county, her address was in a neighboring county, um, they would have charged us a, a fee. So the way for us to get around having to pay for service was to deliver it to Jones County Sheriff Department and let them serve it. Man, where is Seth Rogen when you need him? Right? Honestly. Coming here in one of his costumes, Pineapple Express style. <laughs> I freaking love that movie. Like, to this day, <sighs> that movie is one of the funniest movies ever. So good. So good. Um, so on that note, just to kind of, like, lay out for our listeners legally what has happened. So a motion to show cause and a protective order. So a protective order is given to a person to do what? To protect them from harm. If uh, harm, um, you know, if you can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone viably threatened your life, threatened to harm you um, or your home, your children, you know, if they vandalized your car and they are still like making threats against you, you can go and file for a protective order. Sometimes they are reluctant to give you protective orders against a stranger like this, but sometimes Mm -hmm. you will find that you are able to, because to this day, I still consider this woman a stranger to me. Um, She was Mm -hmm. a stranger when this started and I will never consider her like as someone I know just somebody I know of um but because she was a stranger to me um you know it's really up to the discretion of the judge but and recently like in the last like five to ten years the structure of the way they handle protective orders has changed a lot so a lot of the time like now for example North Carolina um they have a thing where one of the only instances where they're willing to give you a protective order um, unless you can prove why you need one otherwise is if you've been in a relationship with that person and then there's like a domestic violence element to it. Um, or like if it's against a stranger, it's a it's called a no contact order for stalking. But mm-hmm. the stipulation is is that they want they want to see that someone is like physically following you around. So there's really not a lot of protection for internet harassment or someone who is you know um, trying to steal your identity or you know someone who is slandering or um, you know making um, defamatory defamatory claims against you online. There's really no protection for those sorts of things um, with a protection order. Um, it's more of like a civil case, like a civil lawsuit. And so what is kind of the purpose of having a protective order against somebody? So you have somebody who's, you know, acting in a way that is not okay, right? Engaging on your freedoms um, constitutionally, like violating you as a person, harassing you, you know, making your life difficult, basically being shitty to you, right? Right. Um, And now you, to get a protective order, that's, to my understanding, it's essentially having a judge step in and tell that other person, what you're doing isn't okay and you need to stop right, right? Like, like it is intended be to problems. right the protective order is intended to grant relief to the person who is asking for it and when you are granted that relief in the form of a protective order it puts the defendant on notice and it says um basically what it what it is even though it's a piece of paper that piece of paper can still hold some weight. I know a lot of people will say a protective order is just a piece of paper. However, um, paper trails are important if you're in and out of court with somebody. There is a contempt hearing that can happen um, if you push for it. Like if you if they violate it and you don't do anything, you know, it's neither here nor there. The court doesn't care if you didn't, you know, bother to call the cops and enforce the order. Um, but if you yeah. are actively trying to enforce the order, this starts a paper trail so that if anything else happens and you you know, they show up at their at your house and they kill you or, you know, if anything, if they make good on any of their threats or something like that, um, you know, there are harsher punishments and harsher consequences for them in the long run. Absolutely. So more than anything, it's 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 hopefully getting them to stop by sending a message on the legal system that says, hey, you're breaking a law right now. This is not OK. And you need to stop. Um, partially saying stop doing it to this specific person they're aware of what you're doing and you know and I know and they know what you're doing is wrong from a legal standpoint 
um, and and kind of laying out like what not to do. Like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. Right. Correct. Like, there's actually like so, very specific things in the order. Like, there's um the one that I have. There's little check boxes that orders her to not threaten, assault, or harass myself, my children. Do not make threats against my home. And it even like there's even a stipulation in there that ordered her to stop using third-party communications, electronic communications, and uh, telephone communications to threaten, assault, and harass me. So essentially, by posting that lie about having a protective order against you in her podcast group, or it was a podcast, right, that she was doing? Uh, no, um, it was like a, it was like some, it was, I think it was intended to be a tattoo page because it was called Shoes, Booze, and Fucking Tattoos. Okay, and yeah. they there was a lot of tattoo content shared on there, but most of the content that I saw when looking on it was literally her blasting people that she didn't like. So, like, the guy that she was with at the time, um, she was blasting one of his ex-girlfriends and then another one of his friends and claiming that this girl, you know, um, fucked some guy that she liked or whatever. It was just a lot of, like, really um, high school drama type nonsense. Like gossip and slander page, basically. Yes, basically. So by her posting about you on there, she violated that protective order, which is what led to the motion to show cause of violating protective order, correct? Correct. And so um, your next steps were to have to serve her. And um, obviously, the hiring someone to serve her was quite an expense. So what was your alternative option to that? So that was the, the two options, like to have a process server would have been way more expensive than what we were willing to shell out money for. And then the sheriff in Carteret County where we were living at the, well, no, the sheriff where we were living at the time said that because it was in Jones County um, mm-hmm. that, you know, it would cost us a fee for them to go from our county to Jones County. So our last resort was to take it to the sheriff in Jones County and have them serve it since that is where she lives. She was living there at the time. How did you go about that? Did you call the county and ask like where to check in? Like, how did you um, um, figure out who to communicate with? So we, we called first and, you know, I just said, Hey, I need to get, you know, some paperwork served. Is there a way for me to just bring it to you guys and, you know, have her served. Um, and they said, yeah, just bring it here and we'll get you the person that we'll send to go out and serve the protective order. And I was like, okay, cool. So, um, I don't, do you remember who you spoke with on the phone? I don't remember who I spoke with on the phone, unfortunately. Um, and if I knew that this was going to turn into what it was, I definitely would have been documenting that. (laughs) So (laughs) understandable, um, but nobody expects that right up front. No, absolutely. They have a history of experiencing these sorts of things with the legal system. Right, right, uh, right. So I, yeah, I definitely was not expecting that. So, um, we, I think it was like a day or two later that I drove out there. It wasn't like immediately that I was, oops, excuse me, able to go out there. Um, but I drove out to Jones County, um, a few days later and I went in and I just said, Hey, I have some paperwork that I need to get someone served with. They are a resident of your County. Like who can I hand this to? Um, and that is when I met Brian J. Pasilli. Okay. Now, we're going to talk about him more in next week's episode, um, but let's talk a little bit more about a couple of the things that happened um, kind of after you handed that over um, okay. and sort of like what the prep work you were doing for the next steps in this process. Because af- obviously, after you show this motion, there is then going to have to be future court dates, correct? Correct. So um, first off, Mikhail didn't stop at just that one post, right? Oh, no, she surely didn't. And she also didn't stop at that one platform either, right? Correct. She did not. So what are what are the other platforms that she was posting on and kind of what was the other sort of things that she was doing um, publicly about you and why did it become so dangerous? Um, So I feel like it was dangerous because of her erratic behavior. It's one thing to have a dispute with someone. Um you know, I, I don't want to say quote unquote, quote, normal people as if to make her seem not normal, um, just because I'm not a mental health professional and I'm not qualified to make those claims. But what I we will could say, say in typical society. Yes. Yes. So, you know, it's one thing to have a dispute with someone and to settle, settle that dispute in court and then go your separate ways. It's what she did is entirely something different. Um, the behavior was erratic. 
the threats were more and more violent. Um, her behavior became more and more chaotic and it just seemed to be everywhere. Um, and when I say everywhere, um, I'm speaking from a very overwhelmed, you know, place. Like I was overwhelmed waking up and knowing that someone is out there posting my full legal name and my information all over the internet, you know, um, and trying to incite violence against me because essentially that's what she was doing. Um, she, I, I, I'm presuming that this was her way to get back at me because she was angry about the protective order. She was angry that Nate and I, but like, she was still at this point, for some reason, she was still like fixated on whatever weird relationship she thought that she had with Nate. And so at this time, you hired an attorney to kind of help you research more of what Mikhail was doing, correct? Um, yes, yeah, sort of. Not quite at this point. Um, you know, after I handed off, um, after I handed off that motion to show cause for it to be served to Brian Pasilli, um, we were given a court date. Um, I think our court date was May something. I don't remember exactly. It's like May 4th, 2013. Correct. It was some it was sometime in May. And we'll get into this in the next episode. But after being served with the motion to show cause, that's when she started the pattern of going from county to county filing paperwork against me, presumably in retaliation, because every county that she would go to, she would use a different name and she would, you know, just it just seemed to be random. Like, you know, um, there are a couple instances where I do feel like she intentionally filed a false paperwork the day before we had a court date, you know. Um, so it was like there was really no pattern to it. But at the same time, there was a pattern because there was a pattern in the sense that she was using different names on purpose in different North Carolina counties so that they could not keep up with what she was doing. Because from the outside looking in. If you don't know, you know, if you weren't a party to the situation, you would think that these were all different people um, filing all of this stuff against me, who was one person. But it was always the same person showing up or not showing up. Sometimes she didn't show up and her stuff got dismissed. Um, but so after the content, after she was served with the motion to show cause, that's when she began filing all kinds of crazy paperwork in addition to posting online about me continuously, even though a judge had told her not to. And this got to the point where she even posted your address and doxed you publicly, right? Um, yes. At some point after, like, she was, like, still going from county to county. And at one point she did um, post. And it wasn't just, like, any address. I had signed up for a program um, through the North Carolina Attorney General called the Address Confidentiality Program. And that program was designed specifically for people who held a protective order to keep your um, physical address safe from the defendant in the matter. Um, and she had found that address, which they used to reroute my mail, and that was the address that she posted online. So not only had she already doxed me using my full legal name, she then doxed me, you know, telling everyone that address that the attorney general had given me to use on uh, all of my public records. And also she went a step further on some of those protective orders. She had information about you that we still to this day only can speculate how she could have gotten right. Like your social security number. Correct. On a couple of the warrants that were filed and we'll go, we'll break down like, you know, what days and what they said and all that. But there were a few of the warrants where um, when I got a copy of the warrant, it looked like her handwriting only because after being served with um, like, whenever you go out, go to file a protective order, you have to write on the paperwork, like what the allegations are and things like that. And her handwriting is this handwriting on the warrant with the copies that I got, it looked like she wrote in my social security number. And I would really love to know how she got it if that is indeed her handwriting right like that's like i want to know very how. suspicious very and suspicious with we weren't 100 percent sure what her job was at the time but our last knowledge of her employment was working as a shot girl at gus's and not being uh yeah, not she was for the district attorney yes yeah, she, she was, had worked she for the district attorney and she was using that getting that information from that job 
that's also very illegal. Illegal. I my my um my my theory, and this is not something we've talked about yet, but this is something we will talk about. Um, my theory is that she got it for from Brian Pasilli. Um, at the time in which I handed him the motion to show cause, I did not know that they knew each other. I had no clue that they were friends. Um, so, you know, I strongly feel like she got that information from them because there's no way, especially given her background, um, there's, I do not feel like she would be a credible person for the district attorney to have hired. I don't feel yeah. like, you know, cause they would do a background or check and fingerprint either. check and stuff, you know? Yeah. So I don't, so I don't think that sorry, like given, no, you're fine. Um, given, given the background that she had, if they had, you know, if she truly did, you know, somehow work for the district attorney's office, like there must've been like some sort of special proceeding because I doubt that they would have overlooked her background to give her a job. Yeah. Which we'll get more into what her background was when we get to the point of where you discovered that information. Correct. Um, and, uh, to kind of summarize and wrap up this episode today. So at this point, not much time has passed. There was the protective order issued in April. Right. Let's see what date was that? April 9th. Yes. And then immediately after and in the next coming weeks, it was just the barrage of harassment from people that she was instigating, her directly messaging you under multiple different accounts, her doxing you publicly, somehow having your social security number, somehow having your address, and even though it wasn't your real address, the address that you had gotten with the government right. um, for your protection, and also filing all of these fl- fake claims against you um, through different names, which we find out later that she was then using those names to create multiple Facebook accounts to harass you from, um, and essentially fabricating a reality to create some sort of paper trail to use the legal system and social media and the internet to, quote unquote, get back at you. Right. And you know, it's funny, um, <laughs> even with her having done all that, she maintains this narrative that I somehow tried to quote unquote, destroy her. And it's insane to me because it's like the only thing I ever asked her to do, the only thing that Nathaniel ever asked her to do was leave us alone. And at that point she had every opportunity to just stop. She could have just stopped after that protective order and been done with it. It the protective order did not negatively affect her employability. It right. did not negatively affect her ability to exist as a human being. You Correct. weren't going around and calling her jobs and complaining about her. You weren't publicly Correct. doxing her. You Correct. weren't doing anything to try and interfere with her ability to exist. All you were doing was asking her to leave you alone and let you live your own life. Right. And you had a lot going on at the time. I did. Right? I did. Um, and that seems to be like the pattern for me is I always have a lot going on. But that is okay. I live a very full life. And I like having things, positive things happening in my life. Um, Absolutely. And, it just, and it's just, um, I don't know, like it behooves me that she for some reason thinks that someone else is out to destroy her, which makes it kind of, you know, like I said, I'm not a mental health professional, but it kind of gives me an idea of what her mindset is, where she always is on the attack. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, um, because even with this whole situation, even with everything that was going on and even with what she was doing to me, she was also doing this to other people. And it also goes into the perception that with that being between multiple other people and it being a pattern that she interprets being told that she's wrong as an attack. Correct. And when somebody else tells her she's done something wrong, that she's being attacked. That is one aspect of this whole situation that I will personally never understand because I I just don't like if you, it's, you know, it's hard for me to describe because like, Usually there's like a process when you're, when you are truly wrong in a situation. I don't know if other people like process it the same way I do, but like, if I'm truly the wrong party in a situation, there's like a point of realization, you know, and then like your brain starts turning and you start to think about 
how your actions affected the other person. I don't know if everybody's like this, but that's me personally. If I am like, if I know that I am truly wrong in a situation, I think about how my actions affected the other person. I think about, you know, their thoughts, their feelings, you know, I think about why my actions were wrong and how I could have been different or better. And depending on what my relationship is with that person, you know, either we can make amends or, you know, I, you know, suck it up. And, you know, if they don't want to talk to me, it's a wash and I move on with my life. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, absolutely for her to be a stranger to me and then me going into a court because, you know, the judge asked, you know, who is this person to you? And I said, she's a stranger to me. You know, she is not somebody I knew. I did not feel any loyalty to her. I did not feel like I should console or, you know, cushion this in any way. All I knew was that this crazy person threatened me. They threatened my daughter and they threatened to burn down my house. And I was not about to sit there and let this person, whoever they are, um, you know, continuously do that. Like for me, in my mind, I knew that I was doing absolutely the right thing to protect myself. And for her and her mind, for some reason, being told that that's not okay, like being told, like her being told that her actions are not okay, sent her into like a rage. And I don't under, I personally will never understand that aspect of the situation. I'm on the same side as you. And I know, and I can even think of specific examples where, you know, I've said or done something or had either a perspective or prejudice that was wrong, that was based on wrong information, that was based on complete ignorance, that was based on racial prejudice, that was based on many different things. And I've had you or Michael or other friends or other people in my life point out my mistakes or my misunderstandings or whatever. And I just, I can't empathize with the idea of then the discomfort that I feel with being wrong, right. being that other person's fault. It's, it's right. my fault. Right. I made the mistake. I'm the one who fell short of the standard that I hold for myself and I should do better. I should learn from this. I should figure out how to not make this mistake again right. or educate myself and expand my horizons and try to like do better because I don't expect myself to know everything. I don't expect right. myself to always be right. I don't Absolutely. walk around in this world believing that my every decision I must fight for or else, you know, something horrible is going to happen or what have you. Like, I'm I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to be wrong. And that's okay. And I don't, right. I, I maybe I just made a lot of like small errors where I've had a lot of positive feedback that's created a, you know, safe space for me to feel like I can get told that I'm wrong. Or maybe it's just that I'm autistic or I'm not sure, but I just, well, I expect to not always be right. Right. And I think that um, the ability to know that making mistakes is not a moral failure is a big deal. You know what I mean? Like, I think that a lot of the times in certain situations, some of us grow up with thinking that our, um, the mistakes that we make are a moral failure. Now, um, in this instance, you know, maybe, you know, she grew up and like I said, she's a stranger. I do not know her. I don't know anything about her background, but it's possible that she grew up in a situation where, you know, um, she was made to feel like her mistakes were moral failures. And that's why she reacted the way that she did, because it's like, if you grow up in that sort of situation, um, you know, it's possible that, you know, you, you know, you have family. And I know that I've done this with my family when I was younger because of the situation that I was in as a child where I felt like I couldn't make mistakes. So if I did make a mistake, I had to cover the mistake, you know? Yeah. Or like, it's interesting that, sorry, continue. Uh, It's okay. Um, Well, I was going to say, it could be like an emotional intelligence thing where like, Sometimes some of us have so much trauma that we are stuck in a certain place emotionally in our lives. And, you know, she may have had the reaction that she had out of that, like, lack of emotional intelligence. But again, um, you know, her being 40-something years old, um, you know, it behooved me that she was acting that way. Yeah, and it's absolutely something that I think points to a really core issue and this is not absolving her of any guilt in any kind of way. Right. Absolutely but what not. this really shows is the way that our public school education system has failed people, the way that the patriarchy and racism negatively affects everybody in it, including everybody. the people that are convinced of these prejudices that are then fucking causing harm to other people and convinced that they're not. 
Right. Um, and we'll definitely and then, get into more talking points about that because that is a big part yeah. of the situation. Yeah. And it also, excuse me, <clears throat> it also really shows our failure as a society to recover from the changes that we made around mental health. Correct. Like, if you trace back the history in the United States on how we treated mental health since basically, I mean, forever, but really a big pivotal point is when we brought over a bunch of Nazi scientists in order right. to hire them to work in our insane asylums and how we right. handled those situations. And then that information being made public and that there was no, like, better new system put into place. Right. There wasn't something to replace that that was healthy or good. There was just fear and ignorance and lack of information. And so whatever is going on with your stalker that could have gotten care at a much younger age in her life so that her mental health was taken care of, so that she wasn't going through what she's going through, whether it's paranoia, whether it's PTSD or CPTSD, or if she has some varied neurotype or lead poisoning, the more and more I've learned about lead poisoning and how that makes people more aggressive, like right. who knows what happened with her, but there's a failure between her education system, society, and mental health care on the fact that someone like that is walking around in this world and causing harm to other people and being under the impression that that what they're doing is right and that everyone else is wrong and attacking them right and i agree with you like this absolutely <laughs> does not absolve her of guilt and i also feel like a part of her knows that she's not right um because she doesn't seem like you know um like a lot of her actions seem idiotic but i deep down i think that she actually does know that she is not you know in the right but for some reason she just continued and continues to double down instead of just saying, hey, I should have never pretended to be pregnant and I should not have threatened them to begin with. Well, and that's a statement I could make right now just to say, like, if she listens to this and she hears this, I think she really needs to understand that it's okay to be wrong. It's right. okay to take a step back and admit your mistakes and change your life. Like, that's right. like, okay. Making point, mistakes is she's part of probably the human going condition. To- Exactly. Like, think about, and, and at this point, she's probably going to face some sort of legal repercussions because it's gone on for so long. It's gotten so oh, much no, we'll get into more of that later. It's definitely at the point where legal repercussions absolutely will be the consequences of her actions because. But taking those consequences, accepting those consequences, learning from those consequences, growing, it's safe. It's okay. Yeah, your life might change. Your current world might fall apart. You might have a whole new beginning on the other side of whatever that is. But people get reformed. People can grow from their mistakes. People can learn. It's safe. It's okay. Right. Like transformation doesn't have to be a bad and negative thing. Like, yeah, you may have done some things wrong. I know I've made plenty of mistakes in my time. And, you know, unfortunately, some of the mistakes made here are really egregious. But I still feel, you know, I still know that there is a human part of her and I would hope that eventually one day that she can take a look at everything honestly and say, I should not have done this to all these people. It's so unfortunate too, that there's this prejudice with so many older people to get therapy that that means that there's that, that like getting therapy is such a bad thing because I genuinely think if she worked with a therapist and was just honest Not this like fabricated negative, not any of that, just gave this therapist facts about how her brain works, what she deals with on a daily basis, what she goes through, the paranoia she experiences, the stories she fabricates, the way that they feel real, the lack of memory that she has of these interactions that she's quote unquote being accused of, like all of that and really just put it all out there that she could get help. And I hope that when she does end up in prison or faces legal action against this that she gets the help that she needs because I really do have hope that every person can recover and maybe that's me being overly optimistic but I think with enough intervention most things you can have reform from even though ultimately you should never have to see her again you should never have to hear from her again and you should never have to interact with her again because that is not on you she should be learning that separate from you she should be growing in that way separate from you and she needs to deal with that I wholeheartedly agree too much harm 
And it's funny that you bring that up because I remember that we had a very brief conversation about restorative justice because I considered that as an option in my case. But at this point in time, I don't I don't feel like restorative justice is going to be um, a good idea just because there are certain aspects of this case that she cannot let go of being in the wrong about. Yeah, she needs some sort of intervention because it doesn't seem like she's capable on her own of comprehending the harm that her actions are causing. And I don't like to use this in a like a demeaning way. Cause for me, when I think of children, I see children as humans. We're all humans, whether you're an adult right. or not, it's just whether or not you've learned something. Like right. maybe an infant's a little different because they can't quite communicate yet. But once you learn to communicate in whatever way that you communicate, once you learn to comprehend things the way that you comprehend them, like some people aren't going to learn this stuff without intervention. And she's at that point where it seems like she's not going to learn the error of her ways without some sort of intervention. And if, if it was just you, that sucks for you. But she's also doing this to other people, too. And she's probably right. going to continue. Right. And so it's also for everyone yeah. she's done it to and everyone she could do it to that we are doing this podcast. Right. And then then the flip side to that is with the with the with what you just said about you know learning from your actions i feel like unfortunately um you know and and i don't i don't want to say this in a way that would demean her character but i'm just going to put it very bluntly i feel like it's not like in part i feel like it's not that she hasn't learned because she's done this so many times to so many people and we can prove that fact my my biggest one of my biggest issues with this entire situation is that every time she does something like this to someone she does it more efficiently like she learns exactly how to harass people better which is kind of insidious in and of itself absolutely because it's because instead of saying hey I recognize that this bad behavior and I recognize that I can take this a step farther and make it worse for the other person. Instead of saying, I'm going to choose not do this and, you know, stop. She always, for some reason, chooses to escalate it, to make it worse, to tell another lie, to make another video, to, you know, fabricate another event. Like, why? I personally, that's another thing that I will under, under, never understand is why you would choose to keep escalating the lie making the fabrications recognizing like hey i can't i feel like i might be able to push a button if i lie about this thing and then doing it you know so for me um as much as i want to see the human aspect of her i also recognize that she is learning how to do this better with every person she harasses which goes to the point that she's learning the wrong Thing right like her society. brain is really wired in a completely different way than mine or yours or a lot of people that I know yeah it's like it's the simplest term like learning a bad habit right like you think about um this happens with children and I feel like children is the easiest but I, it happens with adults too it happens in workplaces so I'll use that as an example to talk about workplace stuff right so in workplaces someone who doesn't want to do their work might ask someone else to help them and that person's really willing and able to help and so they keep asking and keep asking and keep asking and they think they're doing nothing wrong because they're like well if that person doesn't want to do it they'll just tell me no but right. there's a power dynamic so that other person's not going to say no they're just going to keep taking the stuff on until they crack and then right. the manager who's been delegating 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 wonders oh my gosh why do people keep quitting why can't i keep any employees why is everyone burnt out and it's because they're just continually causing harm that they don't believe is harmful and right. and and they're learning that they can keep doing this to people that they right. can keep putting this on people because of the power dynamic that they're completely blind to and so she's learning how to quote unquote be better and better at causing harm right and, and it's scary she doesn't think that there's she either doesn't think that she's a problem with that or she likes it like enjoys it and the reason that she likes it is because it's never caught, it's never, it's never been bad enough to incentivize her to not continue to do it. Like the scenario with the boss, right? Like as long as they can get somebody to do the job, they're not going to try to improve the workplace. 
Right. Right. No, I agree. That's not true of everybody, but it's like that sort of character of person. Like obviously not every boss is like that, but I've had bosses like that. Right. And then too, on, on that, on that note about it never being bad enough, I think that just recently, and we'll talk about this whenever we get to that point, but I think that it's starting to get bad enough for her that she realizes I should probably stop. But she's like, not stopping. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's almost like it's weird because it's like, um, like after what she did this past July, um, you know, and then with like messaging my mutuals and, you know, trying to find out who I hired as the digital forensics team in order to tell them to stop or investigating her, like all of that, that lets me know that, you know, it's getting to a point where she knows that she won't be able to escape the consequences of her actions. Because I mean, even if I release the name of the digital forensics team, they're not going to stop investigating her just because she wants them to. That's not going to happen. And I feel like there's a lot of stuff we'll we'll be getting more into details later on. I don't want to rabbit hole too much into right. um, Right. Don't want to rabbit hole early. Like there, there but I agree with you. And it's clear that she's, she's learning in the opposite direction of she's learning towards doing more harm, not learning towards doing less harm. And she's not only doing harm to you, but she's doing harm to herself. It's almost a form of self-sabotage in a way that she's doing harm to herself. She's doing harm to her own life because she's going to destroy any reality that she's built for herself because it's not just the past that's coming to bite her. It's not just the stuff that she did in 2010 to 2013. It's everything that she did after, which we'll be getting more into and everything she's still doing today. Correct. And on that note, um, we are going to conclude this episode Thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm going to link the the link for the GoFundMe in the description of this podcast. If you feel so inclined to help us with the expenses with hiring a digital forensics team, it is expensive and it is not something that is paid for by the state. Um, I will also link our socials in the description of this podcast. Um, if you out there are listening to this podcast and you have had an encounter with the same person please reach out to us we would love to hear your story what happened with that and how it concluded um if you guys are out there and you're just a listener a comment or concern we are open books please message us anytime twitter instagram tiktok i will link all of our handles in the description and we are open books or you can use the message feature that anchor has on the anchor app um if you're listening to this on itunes or spotify you can reach out to us on instagram and twitter um, for those comments questions and concerns and thank you for listening also um donating to the GoFundMe is the best way to support us at this time because you know we both run small businesses we're both working on making this podcast and supporting um the family through this legal case which takes a lot of time and takes a lot of money takes a lot of steps takes a lot of different places being involved so the GoFundMe isn't just for the forensics investigation but it's also for legal services and other such things um but i understand not everybody likes to just give money sometimes people want to do to want to buy something to support us so we both have books published we both uh most recently earth and fire publishing my business published some cool journals on amazon um i personally wanted a journal where i had ruled pages on one side and dot pages on the other because i love dot journals but i also love ruled journals and so i created one along those lines and all the original artwork and design is done by me and then we also released another journal that's um that's designed by my editor-in-chief and we put her cat sawyer on the cover with some fun nature-based artwork very fall inspired colors it's a great vibe for this season to get your next journal from so if you want to support us in that way we also have merchandise that will be coming out both for the podcast and then with the journal designs and also for the company name Um, and there's definitely more and more ways to support us financially if you don't want to just give money and also get something for yourself Uh, So if you go through the links in our socials into our link, um, like just link lists and that sort of thing, you're going to find more ways to support us.
there. Definitely agree with that. Um, and then for me, on the flip side, if you want to help support, um, I also have a few published books that are linked um, in the links in my bio on my social profiles. I am also working on a line of journals and I will be for anybody out there who wants to learn about social media strategy, digital content strategy, or become a content creator, or maybe even start your own digital agency. I will be holding classes to help you learn how to brand, to help you need to help you grow your brand and my company thrifty mama media just released a book called women building beyond the nine to five um it was released on september 19th we made two of the bestsellers list which i'm really proud of but that book is for sale on amazon and it will soon be on barnes and noble online so i'm excited about that also, if you don't feel interested in those specifically, any of those products specifically for yourself, don't forget the holidays are coming up with supply chain shortages. Everybody's recommending buying your gifts early and pretty much every single one of our books that you can order on Amazon, you can special order through your local bookstore. The journals you cannot, but the books that we have published like my romance novel and Kat's book, you can go in with the ISBN number from Amazon and request it through your local bookstore, which means then you're supporting a small business on top of that instead of all of that money just going to Amazon. So we highly recommend shop small, go to your local bookstore, request the book specifically there if you have uh, you know, the money to do so and you right. want to gift out to other people. Absolutely, 100% do that. Support small business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Okay, go ahead. Next week, <laughs> next, so I was just going to say, next week we'll be diving more into what happened with Brian Pasilli and the court dates that followed these um, incidences of her violating the protective order, uh, which that gets a little bit complicated. So we'll see how many episodes it takes to break it all down. Um, but we look forward to uh, sharing that info with you. And if you, like uh, V said before, if you have any questions or if you have any comments, uh, feel free to reach out to us and We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Thanks so much for chilling with us. Thanks for listening to the story. Thank you for supporting us. Um, and just thanks for being here. We appreciate you. We hope that your week goes better than expected. Definitely. Have a good night and happy Halloween, y'all. <laughs> Bye.